I understand that the subject matter can be triggering, so if there are points where you would like to take a break or skip a question, please feel free to do so. Um, the date is January Sunday, January 3rd, 2021. Can you state your name and year of entry into Goucher College? Um, I'm Danielle Williams. I am a junior at Goucher College. And I'm a psychology and education studies, 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 the major and a minor in, um, a minor in English. Okay. So this first part is mostly going to focus on, like, general background information about your life. Um, so what, how would you describe your background and, like, where do you come from and what was your life like before attending Goucher? Um, well, I was raised, so, um, I was raised by a, a co-parents, two co-parents, but primarily by my mom, single mom, single black mom working. Both my parents were military, but I didn't move around a lot. Um, uh, I don't know, just like, high expectations, um, uh, just, it, I was expected to do something with myself. It was not like a, it was kind of like, how you're expected to, like, I don't know, wake up the next day and brush your teeth and wash your face. Like, it was like that. It was like, once you're done with school, you go to college. Once you're done with college, you go to grad school. And stuff like that. Um, uh, um, I was, um, yeah, I got, I don't know, I was really well supported, though, um, through mental health issues and stuff like that. I was well supported. Um, in my teenage years, my church was very important to me, less so now, but, um, I still have a lot of friends from there, but I have a I have um, a close circle of friends that have a really good support system, and I grew up with a really good support system, and that carried me to Okay. So you touched upon it briefly in terms of um, talking about your parents' expectations of you and that college was kind of expected, but um, what did college in general mean to you? Were you excited by the opportunity to go to college and, like, if they hadn't pushed you, or at least if they hadn't had those expectations of you, do you expect that you would have been as excited to go? Um, I, I think so. I mean, like, a part of it was me being excited because, like, I could, I don't know, you see what you see in TV, you see, like, not necessarily partying, but you see independence and, like, I don't know, a higher level of academic stimulation. And I was really, like, excited for that. Um, and I wanted that. Obviously, like, there are things in my life that kind of changed my priorities. So um, I sometimes lost sight of that. But I was, it, their expectations, like, I don't know. Like, it was expected I was going to go to college and I wasn't going to go to, like, a rinky-dink place. 
which it sounds really excuse me actually now that I think about it it was expected that I was just to go to college a college a four-year university that's it and that um I automatically thought that you know when you're younger you think of college you think of like Harvard or places like that Ivy's and then things changed and while at one point maybe I could have gotten into Ivy's circumstances changed where I can't or couldn't so um yeah there but the expectations were mainly for me to just they call, and it was kind of engraved and me to be my own hardest critic my worst critic so that's me that's I'm my own worst critic so like like sometimes they were less critical than people would think it was just extremely it was high expectations but I would beat myself up if I didn't meet them they would just be like oh well okay but I would be like you're stupid you know this and that Okay. What motivated you to um, attend Goucher? Um, it was, I think, like, position, program, me, and people. It was close to home, um, and it's about, like, an hour and a half away from my house. Um, it, it, I, I, grow, I grew up in the D.C. area. And so I knew a fair, if not a lot, about D.C. I kind of wanted to experience something else. And Baltimore is, like, a happy medium because it's not, like, forever away from home, but I, have to, I didn't really experience it much, so I wanted to get to experience that. Um, I, uh, it was small, and, and I was in a program at school, um, and my, that was extremely small. It was individualized. So, like, I couldn't jump from being in a class with, like, three or five kids both to being in a lecture hall with 500 people. So, Goucher was small enough that I felt comfortable. The people, I don't know, I got, I came on a tour and I started vibing with the people immediately. And thank you. Um, I vibed with the people immediately. Uh, and... Thank you. Um, I I vibe with people, and then um, the programs it had things that I was interested in. So originally, I thought I was going to do like um, pre med, um, and then I got and then I tried taking a physics class, and I was like, this is absolutely horrible. I don't want to do this again. Um, not like against the teacher or anything. I just I didn't take tricks. So I can't do physics without taking tricks. Um, and I can't teach myself tricks while teaching or learning physics at the same time as she can talk. So, um, but it has a really good psychology program and all those things. Plus, like, relative, thank you, relative affordability let me to catch it. Okay. What was your level of awareness, <clears throat> excuse me, regarding Goucher's levels of diversity while you're still doing the college search? I wasn't really aware of it. I, I don't know. I didn't think much about diversity when I was looking for schools. Like, I applied to maybe 
teaching HBCUs, but I really was just like, it's a preschool that wouldn't, that I could afford with programs and stuff like that. And I was close to home and just like met my basic criteria. I figured that I would handle the rest of the stuff when I came to it. Um, so yeah, I didn't start thinking about it um, seriously until like I'm going to school up. And then students say, I was like, okay, hmm, all right, out of white folks. And then over like the Facebook group, that's when I connected with Ayana. And then I kind of came in with like at least a basis of like who I would be friends with. And then Phoenix Rising with Cree, that helped me create that that um basis. So I never really had to go through Goucher alone with only white people around me. But it didn't really sink in how white it was until I got to classes. And I was like one of the only, if not two people, or two black people in my class. Okay. But that was, mm-hmm. yeah, but that was for like education and stuff like that. With your general classes, like you're writing 181, I wasn't the only black kid because I read it to take it. But, yeah. Okay. And, I mean, based on that, when you did become aware of kind of like how Goucher was more so predominantly white, um, did you believe that you would still have a voice as a person of color, especially as a black person, and that any issues that might have arised for you would be addressed by the administration or like any channels that Goucher offered? When I got with Cree, yes. But also, I know, I kind of am aware. When I got to Goucher, I became a lot more of, like, myself. I don't know. I was able, I've, I've been able to, like, be myself a lot more without reservations. And I know that my true self is loud. So I have no issue making a record since I've made good Okay. Um, now that you are here, do you feel adequately represented as a black student like do you have a voice in the classroom if so how do you feel that it's perceived by other students and faculty yeah i have a voice in the classroom part of the thing is with as a black student at Goucher, i feel like you have to make one for yourself though like i have to Part of the reason I have a voice is because I'm loud. Like I said, you know, I have like forcibly made myself. Sometimes I've been like, guys, you need to consider this. Or I'm not comfortable with this. Or I don't know. I've been in spaces, created spaces, fostered spaces where my voice will be amplified or where the voices of others will be amplified as black people. So that's how I have my voice. Okay. So that's mm. all about it. Sorry. No, it's fine. Um, could you repeat that last piece you just said? Oh, um, oh, that's how I feel that I was like, I've had to create my voice. I had to kind of amplify it myself to force people to listen. Okay. Yeah. Along that line, actually, do you, well, to expand upon that, do you feel that there were also times? 
that you had to create your own spaces and more so create your own path on the campus? Oh, absolutely. Um, so, like I said, I run in circles with Queen. Like I've always been associated, if not a part of Queen, since my first semester, before I even got here, maybe. But um, I've always been tight with them. And like that's the space that was created by students of color and marginalized students. And then creating my own space, I feel like even not a physical space, like in the cafeteria, I tend to sit with only black people. But that's like because that is my friend group, I associate myself with people who I feel like are kin to me and who I who I can connect with and who mean, I don't know, who I know will look out for me and I'll look out for them. And I'll show, they'll show up for me and I'll show up for them. So um, I have to do that because sometimes I can't really create. I, it's harder to create your own space in classroom. It really is. Especially like, I feel like I talk about this a bit, Oh, um, but in the education program, the education program is overwhelmingly white, overwhelmingly white. No black faculty, no faculty of color at that. Like it's white, and I'll be, if not the only black person, and not black girl, not black femme, black person, then maybe one out of three. In in like a fifteen to like. And what whole of it? One of my classes that had like thirty people. And I was like, on a three, one on a two, one on a three. So it's overwhelmingly white. And sometimes, like I can't create my own space in there, just because I'm so vastly outnumbered. And also, it's very difficult to create a space when you're the only person in it. So. So in the classroom, yeah. sometimes it can feel like. Sorry. In a classroom, mm-hmm. it can feel more like just trying to um, survive feels like an um, exaggeration, but more so like trying to get along or like still just trying to make yourself heard. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's really just doing what I can to just get to the class, to be learn what I can, and then, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. Like there's mm-hmm. education people that I feel like are really cool. I mean, I talk to. And then they're close friends, you know. But I think that there is. I don't want to say I use them as means to an end, but it's, oh, I know somebody in this class. If I'm going in and I'm like, oh, I know you. Okay. Have there been times when you felt that your peers failed to make you feel welcome within um, the Goucher community? And like, and if you're comfortable doing so, would you mind, like, can you like name an instance? Mm. Well, welcome. I mean, I think part of it is that they don't think about it or like, they truly just don't think about it. Oh, the initial Phoenix Rising group that I was with, 
I'm low income. Um, so, but Phoenix Rising was a, um, a, a group at the time. It was for first generation or low income. I'm both. I'm first gen and low income. But I remember there were a couple people um, who, like, we ran the same circle because we were the only ones on campus, so we just, um, that was like, we came in like three days early on campus, and then we had orientation, so we was like, oh, I know you, I might as well just like, you know, and let's walk to the mall. And I remember when we walked to the mall, first off, I was like, let's cut through here. So you know that, that cut off where we walked through, or I'll drive through? Hmm. Right after the gatehouse? I think so. Yeah, and it's like, it takes you through like some office building and in front of the nursing home to get to the mall? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. They, I was like, why don't we walk through here because I feel like this connects to the mall. And they were like, anyway, and we walked all the way around. Like we walked onto Dueling Valley Road and down just to go to the front of the mall. And my brain was like, we just spent like 10 extra minutes that we didn't need to. If we, and that's obviously so pretty, but it was like, okay, so this is going to be an interesting experience. Um, and then we get in and the, the you know, in the town from town center, um, you know how it is. It has like, on the second floor, it has like the luxury stuff like that, Burberry and Louis Vuitton and Gucci and all that stuff. Stuff I can't afford. Um, and they're like, oh, let's go into the Gucci store. Oh, my dad used to buy me this. It was really like weird. And um, I was like, hmm, okay, well, I will meet y'all down on the fourth floor where they have stuff like rainbows and I don't know, expenses and stuff because I can't afford this and I do not care to go in and get followed because that's one thing I'm very sensitive about is getting followed in stores. It's something that's like almost like a trigger for me. I hate it. Um, and they're like, oh, why don't you want to go? I'm like, I don't want to. There's no point in me going in there because, A, I can't afford anything. There's no point in me going in there and wasting my time just to get followed. That's not how I'm doing this. So I was seeing this, like, kind of like a party pooper type thing. And I'm like, you know what, whatever. Y'all do you. I'll be downstairs. You know where to meet me. If push comes to shove and y'all leave, I have my phone. It's fine. I'll walk back by myself. So... That was one. And then I remember being in the cafeteria eating with them. And, like, I was kind of glad when all the rest of the people got on campus. Because cause I remember Layla and Ayana, they were Phoenix Rising too, Layla, Ayana, and Stevie. But they worked. So I was kind of, like, alone, except for, like, I don't know, a couple people. But anyway, um, I remember once we were eating lunch um, and the cast. And they're like, Mary Fisher, and they're like, talking about how, oh, I'm so glad I'm back at private school. I'm back at, like, a private school. I was in public school. It was horrible. Oh, my gosh. Like, everybody was just so weird and rude and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, well. And they're talking about boarding school and stuff like that. And I was like, all right, well, my private school, my, my public school ad raised bread wouldn't be here without public school. It's just like, all right, so I guess this is 
I'm going to shut up to here until everybody's ready to go. And I'm going to leave, and then we will go on our own way, you know? last question for this section and I think you've kind of touched upon it in some of your previous answers and like when it comes to like finding your own space and that type of stuff but do you feel do you ever feel motivated by your surroundings at Goucher and like Goucher's communities and channels to like more adamantly pursue your own personal endeavors like are there spaces where you can feel encouraged in that way mm-hmm. um Obviously, I feel like I talked to both Cree. Um, Cree is a huge resource for me. It's my home, my culture. Um, Black Student Union has been there for me. Um, Black House has been really, I mean, Robinson Bottom, it's been, I don't know, invaluable to me. So that's what it is. Normally, it's the spaces that are um, created or fostered by people of color or black people. So, like, that's kind of reflected, but there you go. Okay. Well, now we're going to talk more about um, the event of the hate crime itself. Um, the background information being that the morning of November 14th, 2018, at 10.17 a.m., the student population received an email from Vice President and Dean of Students Brian Coker informing them of anti-black, excuse me, of anti-black graffiti on Hubeck Jeffrey's first floor. Um, do you remember, like, where you were and how you felt when you learned this news? Hmm. Um, I remember being in I'm a little bit confused, but I remember being confused and I remember being like, what? Very like frustrated almost, but it was like, okay, is that what we're doing? We're still putting this. Um, so yeah, I remember my friends being upset and I was just, I, yeah, I was upset, but it was like, I wanted to find out who did it. I think I heard rumblings, I have heard rumblings of it already, because I was, I was close with Creek, and we spoke about it a little bit, and they were like, they're going to make their announcement, and also like, it was, like, it was kind of going around a super body, so that's what I remember, yeah. Okay. Did you feel unsafe or targeted? Um, not really personally, Mm -hmm. I don't remember, because, well, because I was like, for a little bit I felt a little bit like nervous, because I'm like, there's just no access to like weapons, I felt, yeah, I felt nervous, I felt nervous, because I remember like, we would get... Um, like late at night, we got like, like escorts and stuff like that, and then increased um, pub safe presence. So, 
fuck they nervous. Um, but I felt nervous. It was a time of anxiety because we didn't know like, if somebody was going to do it again. We didn't know who did it. So, yeah. Okay. Um, if you can recall, what was the response from administration and the general student body? Do you believe that either was adequate? Um, administration, I was closer to the administration response than student body response since I was, like, associated with Cree. Like, that's when I actually started, like, doing stuff on behalf of Cree. So that's when I got, like, my little Cree ambassador title. Excuse me, because I remember going back and forth to meetings and, like, writing notes to and from Cree and stuff like that. I don't know, kind of being there on behalf of Cree. Um, I remember going to, like, the Umoja meetings for Cree um, and being in, what was it, OSE, like, hours at a time and stuff. So, yeah, I remember that. Um, but I know... I feel as though the administration could do that. And it's very weird to hear somebody say that. But, like, I feel like as somebody who was up close and personal with it, I felt like the administration really tried. They tried. And it was, like, only so much that they could work with. And I feel like people at Goucher, at Goucher is a social justice oriented school. Um, a lot of people are dedicated to activism. And I feel like there were a lot of people who wanted to fight for a cause and wanted to be like freedom fighters, and I respect that. But they acted as if administration was the enemy. And in that case, like I understand, Joshua administration could be extremely shady and move well. But in that case, as somebody who was working directly under them, like that's when we had Brian, that's when we had Nicole. Like, I know they were trying. They spent hours upon hours upon hours. Like, they were trying. And I feel like it was kind of frustrating, especially when you had, like, I remember when there was a really big protest in the steps, on the steps, um, and Mary Fisher. And I remember, like, because it was blackout and everybody was wearing black. I remember staff and faculty coming in in black and like they ordered pizza. They ordered pizza for the protesters. So like to see, I don't know, I, I felt like there was a sense that guest administration was trying to hide stuff and was trying to do this and that. And like, I don't know what they do in other situations, but in that situation, I know that they were trying. Like I remember when they were like with the FBI trying to get them to charge with a hate crime and they wouldn't because they were like, oh, we don't have enough and we don't have enough evidence to just run. So I, I was up close to that. And I know that administration did the best that they could. And also, I don't want to say that some Joshua students, well, I'll say some Joshua students are opportunists. And a lot of them took that opportunity to protest and be on camera and, you know, get that out because that's the thing they want to do. They want to be career protesters. You know, that's something that, and it, it was, a lot of it was performative, I'll say. Because, after the fact, when there were meetings happening, and when they were working at, like, actually organizing and actually, like, trying to create a change to ensure that things like that wouldn't happen again, it wasn't the same. 
you know? Mm-hmm. It didn't have the same amount of people. It didn't have the same amount of publicity. It didn't have them. It wasn't as glitter and gold for them as it was when, you know, the canvas were around. Because I really, really had canvas. It was people I had never seen at a meeting before, like on camera all blacked out, you know, leading chance and stuff like that. It was really a lot of people took it as an opportunity to be seen as a freedom fighter when they don't do the actual work behind it or they didn't do the actual work behind it. Mm-hmm. Okay. You kind of dug it. Sorry. Hmm? Sorry, you can finish. Okay. Do it. Okay. Um... You kind of dug into it when you answered, but I'm guessing, um, based on what you said, I'm guessing this was like the first hate crime that you were on campus to witness? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And... when? Okay, so... When did you become aware of the blackout protest that was being organized that following Friday, November 16th? And how did you, you kind of dug into it a little bit, but like, could you expand upon like how you felt about it as a whole? Um, oh, I was, I was there in a big organized. I remember like, I was was there to Umoja, um, meeting I was well at least I believe I was I know I was in a group chat um and seeing things and I I was so I knew when it was happening what was happening and um yeah I didn't necessarily plan on protesting just because I was working with the administration I was working with free and stuff like that and I was more focused on doing actual, like, responses, you know? That sounds so condescending. But I was trying to get stuff figured out so we could get to the bottom of it and, like, respond appropriately and meet demands. So that was kind of what I was focused on. Mm. I do think I remember, like, calling a news source at one point. But... I don't know. It was just very, it was a very weird time. It was kind of like surreal. Um, so, yeah, that was what I was focused on. Um, I know one of my professors, I think a couple of them actually were like, if you're going to protest, I'll excuse your absence. You know, it's important that you engage in your community. And this is something that's really nice to support you and I stand in solidarity. And some professors just shoot up cancel classes. Like, I'll be there too. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, do you, if you could, if you can't, or if you're aware, if you could summarize D goal or one of D goals of the blackout protest, what would you say it was? If I could say the what of the blackout protest, you said something? Like one of the goals. Oh, um,. To um, get the administration aware of like the plights of black students at school, that's something I, I feel like was important. And knowing what black students go through and stuff like that. 
I'm sorry, you kind of cut off a little bit on the, um, the last. Oh, yeah. oh, sorry. I was going to say, giving administration to be aware of the things that black students go through and also making like the gaucho population, the gaucho white population know that this is stuff that black students have to deal with often. Okay. Um, and I believe this is the last question for this section. Overall, maybe even just by like proxy, if you weren't like directly participating, how did you feel about the event's execution? Um, at the time, I felt like some of it was a bit odd. Like, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Like, it was, I feel like some of it revolved around when the news cameras were going to be there. And like, the more like, yeah, 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 really, 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 too, happened when the news cameras were there, and when it didn't, when the news cameras were gone. And then, I don't know, it was just very weird. I, I don't want to say it was weird, because I feel like it, accomplish something is let the administration know how students were feeling but I feel like it was taken advantage of by opportunists and people who weren't even connected to it who just wanted a chance to be seen um so yeah I don't I wasn't really over there so I feel really like bad for saying it this way, but that's like what I was. I, I, that's what I was at that time. Mm-hmm. I was in my little pre-bubble trying to figure out what, how we can, I don't know, get meet certain demands and get things organized and stuff. So I feel like I was a lot closer to administration than the general student party at that time. Okay. Um, it's kind of now. Um, I work for Cree now in a social capacity, but I feel like I've become a lot less enchanted. I've become a lot more disenchanted with administration. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, I know this is kind of a fucking cup. Yeah. Like, back when we had Brian, I feel like things were a lot better. And, like, we had somebody who actually genuinely cared about people. And I don't know. And Brian really supported Nicole and Creed. And that was one thing. But now Nicole is like spread extremely thin. And she can't support as much as she would like to. So it's sad. But um, yeah, I felt more supported back then. I feel like we've gone backwards in terms of like administration of support and some things. Anyway, yeah. Okay. Well, that brings us to our third and final section, which is more focused on the aftermath. In that, on November 30th, 2018, it was announced by the Baltimore Sun that Finn Arthur, a biracial student, was the culprit of the hate crimes. Um, how did you feel learning that um, Arthur was biracial? Did it change your feelings on the hate crime itself? 
Mm-hmm. I was just thinking about this the other day. Um, personally, me and my friends, we were like, oh, so we saw Peta. That was one thing. And then we found out just, like, through less official channels, we found out through, like, through body and stuff. And he didn't identify as black. Um, he identified mainly as white and stuff like that. I feel like people stopped seeing it as, as violent as it was. And that's the thing that I resent is because it wasn't just like anti-black sentiments, it was anti-Semitic sentiments and just really messed up stuff. So it's not less violent just because he's biracial. Like I remember seeing like a Daily Mail article that was like, oh, the boy who cried wolf, it was a, he was trying to target himself, it was a, you know, PC culture, it's so stressed. Like it's, it's, no, it's not that. He was somebody who identified as white, who did that to strike fear into people and to be violent. And it doesn't just count just because he's biracial, especially since he didn't identify that. He he was biracial, but he only saw himself as white. So that's something that I feel like was really messed up. Oh, I remember this one guy in the Umoja, um, Umoja group chat. You don't have to use the name. Brandon, the one that we call Booker T. I remember as soon as it came up that he was our school, like, well, maybe he shouldn't go to jail. You know, it's another brother. You want to see him locked up. Da, 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 da. He needs to be taught um, how to love himself. And I'm like, no. That's one thing. I think I left the group chat after that. Or I remember, like, telling my friends about the group chat. Because I would, like, tell them about the stuff that happened. And I was like, y'all have lost it. I'm not doing that. Like, no, no. That I'm not going to sit here and try to... It, it, it just relates so much to people, to black people, especially black women, being expected to, I don't know, tend to the wounds of people who have been hurting us. And just like being like, oh, he doesn't deserve it. Yes, he does. He doesn't, he does not. And I remember all the time hearing, stand for game camp folks, stand for game camp folks, stand for game camp folks, after that, because it's not, he's not. He doesn't see you as Ken. Just because his mother's black doesn't mean anything. And it was, it was just, it was a total lack of remorse. It was a total lack of remorse. And I just have no, I had no interest in seeing his rehabilitation. I didn't care that he was a senior. I was like, well, you're stupid because you're just messed up. You can't graduate now. You can't take your credits anywhere else without having to start from sophomore year. So, like, I don't know what you, I, I really, have, I'm just, I don't know. I feel like students, I'm disappointed in student reaction because I feel like students are like, oh, well, uh-huh, I wasn't a white person. All right, back to, no, it's not back to that. We can have a conversation about how there are people who view themselves, who have a proximity to whiteness, who view themselves as white and can commit violence against our communities. We, why can't we talk about people of color or black people even committing violence against our communities. Why can't we talk about that? That was just, it was really disregarded. And I feel like administration kept going for hate crime. I feel like if he was white completely, he would have gotten charged. But since he was, um, they, they were much more likely. They were less interested in charging him with the hate crime because he was black. Even though he drew swastikas, whatever. And if you'll look 
today under Google News, you type in Goucher Hate Crime 2018, if and you search for the results, you'll find at least free articles which attribute the hate crime itself to being a hoax in the wake of him being mm -hmm. announced as half, half black. So, and you kind of touched upon it in your previous answer, but like, how does the branding of the hate crime as a hoax make you feel? And like, what do you think the news outlets were trying to accomplish in doing so? A lot of times when I saw it being labeled as a hoax, it was right wing outlets. Mm -hmm. And I said, I know what you're trying to do here. So, I, I just saw it as like folly and just a spotter for them being like, oh, well, racism doesn't exist anymore. And so when it does, it's just black people doing it against themselves. And blah, 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 blah. So, I was like, you know what, whatever. Like, I was so tired by that time. I was, I was too tired to like actually like write rebuttal articles or stuff like that. Like I was too tired. I don't, I don't want to say I didn't care anymore, but I was just like really frustrated because I feel like there are so many times where black people, especially black men can commit violence against our communities, but it's seen as less important because they're black or, you know, it's just really frustrating. So, I don't know. I was profoundly tired by the end. Okay. Well, now we are more than, um, 2021, more than a year and a half later. Um, so what actions have you seen the administration undertake to better address the needs of black people or black students? I feel like at that moment when they were like offering, I don't know, like counseling and escorts for black students who didn't feel safe and increased security, that was the best response that they had. I feel like we've gone backwards, especially since Brian left and Nicole's been sick, and we've gone backwards, absolutely. But, um, I feel like administration hasn't provided as much, but students have kind of tried to step in. Like, I know I've tried my best with Robinson Darwin to create a space for black students, period. I know that you and Black Student Union have been working tirelessly to create spaces for Black students. And I feel like after that, one thing that was really frustrating for Black organizers on campus and Black black student leaders on campus was just finding out, like, just realizing how a lot of our Black students would be like, we need this, 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 this. And then for us to be like, we have that. Nobody comes. We have that. Nobody uses that resource. And then them being like, well, we need it. It's like, well, we have it. You have to inject it, inject it. And then nobody takes advantage of it. Or you'll have somebody come like once and then they'll never come back again. It was just very frustrating. But um, I know that like black students have kind of taken up that call. But I 
administration, yeah, is kind of falling flat. Okay, to build on that, how do you think that, um, do you feel, like, if you feel that there's been a change in attitude regarding the administration's responses to the student body, how do you feel that that kind of backtracking has taken place? Um, I don't know. Like, I, obviously, I know administrations are different people. And I remember Brian, like, personally coming to meetings and coming to events and, like, talking to us and seeing how we're feeling and just, I don't know, holding space, being like, my office is open from this time to this time. If you need to talk, let's talk. If we, I don't know, so things were a lot more accessible with Brian, not with Jose. Jose made me too balanced. I feel like everybody knows that. But, um... And another thing is, like, I feel as though while things are done in the open, there's no allowance for criticism. Like, they'll be like, okay, well, we're doing this. And everybody's like, well, okay, I mean, thanks for telling us. But what the heck? Why didn't you tell us before? Or why can't we say this? Or why didn't we have a say? And they're like, because you didn't. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm not like being as, maybe I'm not like talking about it, but being as clear as I can, but I don't know. I just feel like it's not the same. And maybe that's me missing Brian, but I feel like Brian was really like, and before Nicole was like completely like, Spread is so thin. I don't know. I feel like those were two people that we had on our side. And that might also be because I was hooked, though. Okay. I don't know. But it sounds to me like you're saying that now we're kind of missing, like, that administration is kind of more gung-ho about the things that they're doing without really talking to the students to see what they want as well. Okay. Um, do you think that, like, racial sensitivity trainings that the campus, the, the institution has implemented for the past few years, at least since we've been, since we started at Goucher, like the diversity trainings and the like, do you think that they're adequate to foster a more inclusive community and that they've kind of been successful in their um uses um i mean they try to like things like hallowed ground and just acknowledging that oh black students experience racism on campus and i'm sorry now we need to be some kind of strong student that's what they've done the rest of the like have been students Okay. Um, I believe there's two questions left. Do you think in another situation pertaining to race, your race putting you in danger, that your non-person of color friend would know what to do to support you and make you feel, like, safe? Yeah. 
I'm trying to think of like why people are so with myself, associate with myself with on campus. Um, I don't really have. No, I'm just let me say that it's so good. People who are um, I don't know. Um. I think that they would be, no, no, they would feel obvious, and they would be like, what should I do? And I would have to call them. No. I'm, I'm no, sorry, Danielle, not. you're a little muffled on my end, I think. Sorry, no, they would not. Uh, they would be confused, and they would ask me how they can help, rather than, like, I don't know, taking the initiative, and they would just be very, like, not saying that asking how you can help is bad, but they just wouldn't know what to do. Like, they, no, no. Okay. And last question being to build on, I guess, theme of how to how you would feel heard and secure as a black student at Goucher. Like, what are some things that you would like to see being implemented moving forward that would make you feel more secure? Um. um better reply to like. I as, as somebody who works with Chris, I know that Bert isn't as I don't know, it isn't as effective as it can be. So I would like a better Bert team. Um, or Bert even being put through office of campus safety or public safety or something. I don't know. Like a combination. I want stronger responses to things like that. Not necessarily saying that people need to be suspended or stuff like that. People need to, like, they're... Also, I want faculty and staff to be more accountable and, like, it be taken seriously with you. So, like, this staff is really weird, and I don't care for it. I don't care for, you know, because I've gotten more microaggressions. Well, I'd say I... I it's, it happens to me most in the education department, I'll say that. But um, the amount of microaggressions I've had there is just really frustrating. And I know that people have filed for reports, and apparently there are faculty that repeat offenders who really just don't know. I don't know. I feel like if you're a repeat offender, and this has happened not just with one student, but with multiple students, and people know you have a reputation and something a little bit more serious needs to happen. Hmm. So, yeah. Okay. Well, if that's all, that brings us to the end of our interview. So, thank you for participating. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hope I answered questions clearly and I don't know, coherently, because I know sometimes I can go on tangents. No, you did great. I'm going to turn off the recorder now.